You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining us once again today is Ducks Unlimited Magazine shotgunning columnist, Phil Bergeli. Phil, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been a little while. It has, it has. I think we took a, an entire break off from the summer before we really dive into the shotgunning things. How has your summer been? Not bad. I, I'm, uh, You know, I always get to this time of the year when there's just like a few days before hunting season starts and I kind of wish there was two or three more weeks of summer so I could get some more sweet corn eaten and finish up a few more birds in the freezer and get some more work done before all I want to do is go hunting. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's where I am right now. No, that's perfect. So just curious, how many days are you shooting? How, how, how often do you go out and, and practice shooting? About once a week through the summer, sometimes twice. Okay. Are you in a club out there, or is it just like a like a trap club or something like that? Yeah, I, I, I we have uh, my club. We have trap, skeet, and five stand. Oh, okay. And then there's a place we can shoot sporting clays a couple times a month, also nearby. Which one do you prefer during the summer? <sighs> a five stand is the most fun. Uh, I think skeet is probably the best for me, so I make myself shoot skeet because I have a bad habit of just wanting to fool around. If I'm shooting five stand, <laughs> uh, where it's skeet, you know, it's the same every time. And so I have to really pay attention to, to the fundamentals rather than have fun and see which different fun combinations of targets I can throw on the five stand. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the best part about five stand is the different combinations. It is. It is. But, uh, you know, it leads to plus our, our five stand has is, is pretty hard and it has a lot of there's some. It, it leads to too much fooling around when I do yeah. it. So I, I try. If I go by myself, I shoot skeet, and then I, you know, and because I'm a bird hunter, I I try to at least get a few rounds of trap in each summer just to work on those going away targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure, I can still do that. Yeah, I wanted to get you on the show here today. Um, and we've, we've kind of talked about this offline, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you wrote a column recently called off to a good start. Mm-hmm. And what this column was about was, you know, the best ways and different advice on introducing a youngster to wing shooting. And, and before we get into that, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of want you to explain your experience as, you know, a, a coach even, sure. um, and training young shooters. So if you can explain, mm-hmm. you know, what you've done over the years and that, that'd be great. Well, for, I did start both my sons uh, shooting shotguns as well as another classmate of my older sons who who'd had no one to take him hunting. 
And then for about 10 years, I coached a scholastic clay target program team, mostly in trap. But now you know, by the end, we were doing sporting clays as well. Uh, so I've taught a lot of people to shoot. I've also uh, participated in some clinics, uh, both youth and for new adult hunters. Kind of thing where where they show up and you give them a shooting lesson one day and they go out and hunt the next day. So I've I've done that as well. Cool, yeah. So that's perfect. And then I think you know what's fun for me about this is is my daughter's eight, and so where uh-huh. I'm in that window right now, right. where we're just really I know other people sometimes they start their kids younger. She just mm-hmm. wasn't quite ready yet. And so now we're just now in that stage where we're going, we've gone from the 22, you know, uh-huh. and now we're, now we're going to move into shotgun. And so she's mm-hmm. kind of fired up about it. I'm kind of fired up about it. And I want to, you know, even throughout this little conversation, probably pick your brain on, mm-hmm. on best advice for that. Sure. Um, but in this column, you know, you have several different little things that are probably the most important advice for, you know, for mm-hmm. someone to remember. Um, the first one that you had on this list was eye dominance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how, why was eye dominance like almost like number one? Uh, it is with, with a new shooter, uh, rather than someone who's shot one way forever, if they don't know uh, whether, you know, if they've never shot a gun before, left handed or right handed, and you find that they're cross dominant, the easiest thing to do is just start them from the beginning, shooting from that dominant eye side. That's what my older son uh, is cross dominant and he's right handed, but he's never shot a gun right handed in life. And it just it made it so much easier for him and for me to teach him uh, to just start that way rather than to let him, you know, let him shoot on the one side for a while and then try to switch him over or, or teach him to close one eye or tape his glasses or anything like that. We just started left-handed from the beginning. And I, I really think that's the best way to start. Uh, and then you can have the advantage of shooting with both eyes open. And uh, it also it, it also makes, makes holding the gun easier because people who are cross-dominant want to cock their head over the stock rather than keep their head up and down. So if you can do that, and, and it's also possible to switch people, especially younger people, but if you can just start that way, uh, test for eye dominance, which is, I don't know, uh, a little more complex than, than the basic test that I probably wrote about, but uh, figure that out first and then just start from the dominant eye side. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is how, you know, can you kind of explain how you do the basic test for eye dominance? The basic test is just uh, is the one that we all do where you, you hold your hands at arm's length and you make a, put your hands overlapping and their palms are facing out. So you've got a little triangle between your thumbs, a little hole there, and you, you frame up something in the distance and then without moving your head, bring that back over your eyes. And, and when you bring it back over one eye, it will disappear. And when you bring it back over the other eye, it'll stay in vision. And that's, that's a rough and ready test for eye dominance. There are better tests because eye dominance is not as binary as we think it is. It's there's people can my younger son, in fact, is center dominant. Uh, he's got which is basically like being ambidextrous except with vision. Wow, uh, it does not really help <laughs> shotgun. He's, lear- he's learned to be a good shot, uh, but it's taken some time and and uh, and some extra steps. So there, there are 
the better test is to stand about 10 yards from your student and have them stand with their hands at their sides and quickly point at your dominant eye. So if I'll, you know, left hand, right hand like that, and they do it fast, they will, uh, you can see little variations and, and get an idea if they're pointing at your nose, whatever. You can get an idea if they're setter dominant or if they're able to point right at your eye every time. The other thing I've noticed about, can you have to do it fast? Because kids will cheat. <laughs> they don't want to shoot left-handed yeah, or right-handed or left-handed. So uh, <clears throat> they, they think they know. And so you, a test like that will let you determine it a little more easily and also see some of the... You know, my younger son, he could he would frame it that that first test I talked about, he'd do that, he'd come up with the same thing with either eye, because they're yeah. both eyes are both eyes are, are equally dominant. So uh, in the column you kind of you talk about once you get that eye dominance and, and you're prepared to take the next step. Um you go into you know, the subhead here was first lessons. So this would be the very first introduction for most young shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think in this column you kind of pointed out it's really good. I, and we we're kind of talking offline why this is such an important topic now, because we got dove season coming up, early season teal. Mm-hmm. It's warmer. There's lots of shooting. People tend to introduce kids at that time um, in some of these you know early season hunts, and maybe mm-hmm. the best time to introduce a youngster. Not maybe, but it probably is. The best time is not on a hunt necessarily. No. So no, you know, talk not. about your first lessons. Uh, you know, I have, as I said, I have worked in clinics where I had a bunch of kids, some of whom never shot a gun before, or a bunch of adults, some of whom never shot a gun before, who get like a one or two hour lesson and then they're off to hunt. And I'm always amazed that some of them, most of them actually, wind up shooting birds. Uh, but that's not the ideal thing. Um, the, the Really the best way for a new shooter, and I've been uh, I do this some myself, and I, I've been working with a guy, actually, a, an adult shooter who's uh, wanted to kind of start over, start his whole shotgunning over. We, I, we've been, I've been coaching him by email for a couple of years now. It's been really fun. But I told him that he didn't didn't want to spend a lot of money on his target shooting. I said, fine, go buy a, a Daisy Red Rider. Uh, you break the rear sight off, you saw the front sight off, and you can shoot that, both eyes open. It's a great way to introduce people to the idea of pointing a gun, not aiming it, and uh, you know, cost nothing to shoot. I, you know, BBs are BBs are the the last ammunition that's still affordable. And, yeah. uh, you take something like a can or um, you know, he, and throw it out and shoot it. Uh, so we did we did this on the on the TV show uh, mm-hmm. on the DU TV show. We we broke some clay targets in the air with my BB gun. That was a really fun segment to do. Uh, but you can very inexpensive. There's also you know, a BB gun just weighs two or three pounds. It's really a young child can shoot it. The stock is short. And you can take it. You can take that as far as you want. There are people, I'm not one of them. People can throw dimes in the air and shoot them out of the out of the air with a BB gun. Uh, but it's it's a really easy way. It's also fun. Really easy way to learn. The, the BB is slow enough. You can actually kind of see it in, in flight and you can correct. But it, it, doing it that way rather than with a sighted gun or with a 22 or whatever teaches a new shooter to look out at the target and to think about, if you tell them, I always tell them to think about pointing that index finger, the front hand at the, at the target, not the gun. And as soon as they start to do that, it gets really easy. In fact, that's what I had to tell myself to do when I 
when I first started fooling around with a BB gun myself, and it, it makes a huge difference. Uh, good way to learn if you wanted if you're trying to switch sides, which uh, BB gun's a great way to do it. And I say it's fun and it's cheap, and you can do it in your backyard, uh, and there's no noise, no recoil. So that is a that's a terrific way to start if you have the time to do it that way first. No, that's great. And like you said, that's a, the cheapest ammo available right now for target practice, yeah, I would and, imagine. and the gun costs nothing. The gun costs $30. So yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty hard to go wrong. No, that's great. Um, and then kind of transitioning to that and speaking to guns, um, which I'm kind of in this dilemma right now, um, you know, you had some some recommendations on first guns for young shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's walk through that a little bit because I think there's some really good points you had. And, and the first one was uh, kind of a rule of thumb. Kids who weigh 85 pounds or more can handle the 20 gauge. Um, yeah. Or should. I don't know where. I, I, that's one of those rules of thumb I read somewhere that someone probably made up. But it actually seems to be – it's about what my kids were about that size when they started. And it mm-hmm. seemed to work pretty well. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think that's great. And, I, and that gives me a pretty good idea that I'm probably looking at a 410 here <laughs> for mm-hmm. uh, uh, the near future. I mean, my daughter's still pretty small. She's still well under that 85 pounds. So that mm-hmm. gives me a little little bit of a better idea of where I should be. Um, and you mentioned gas-operated 20-gauge. Well, you know, and I think I know this, but kind of explain for our listeners what makes that gas-operated gun so much better for youth hunters. It's, uh, you know, it, the recoil reduction of a gas gun is significant. And we all think, because we're adults and we shoot a lot, that a 20-gauge doesn't kick. And I have, if you shoot a gun like a, a Mossberg Youth 500, and a, a good experiment, if you want to feel what it's like to be a new shooter, you take that gun and you shoot it off your opposite side. So it's not a, not a shot you're used to taking and you're not used to bracing on that side. And it will open your eyes uh, to do that just a couple times. You'll really feel it. And you'll see what the new shooter is going through because they're not used to shooting a gun at all. Mm-hmm. So my and and my with my kids, you know, it takes a little while. You know, a lesson might be a couple boxes of shells. We usually quit about there, but that's still 50 shots. And, mm-hmm. and that can still be a beating, uh, especially my older son, who was more sensitive. I, he actually got to the point where he was closing both eyes when he pulled the trigger uh, and yeah. so we had to go back all the way back and start over yeah with him and he now he does he does really well but uh you know recoil can can beat a lot of bad habits into kids and so i think it's really important to wait until they're they're big enough and to uh to be sure that they're not getting kicked hard some kids will take it some kids want to again and and again just like eye dominance a lot of a lot of kids won't admit when a gun hurts yeah uh they, they don't they don't but you can tell if you watch them mm-hmm. uh if you ask them did that hurt they'll say oh no it hurt but you, you know it did yeah and uh, you know it's i think that's important cuz cuz the the habits you learn early you know, i've seen adults who will pull the trigger on a gun and then yank it away from their face and step backwards and you can tell watching them shoot that way that they learned when they were young and they shot a gun that was too much for them and kicked them hard. And and that whole follow through motion is is to get the gun away from themselves as fast as they can. Yeah. And um, so I think I think recoil is a really important thing to manage. Um, <clears throat> gun weight is too, but the thing about kids and I I worked especially with well, even sixth starting in sixth grade, but even you now seventh eighth graders. One day they're kids, 
The next day, they're borrowing your boots. Yeah. So, uh, and they will learn in a hurry to hold a gun up. The gun that they can't support, you know, I say I coach trap. The beginning of trap season, if they're a new shooter, they can, you know, another month or a month in, they can shoot that gun and they're already ready to go on to something bigger. So I usually would err on the side of, unless you want to buy a bunch of guns. Now you can, of course, buy a youth gun, let your child shoot that and then take it from them, use it as your turkey gun and get them something else. That's <laughs> You just like to buy uh, guns, Phil. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I went, my kids both, uh, I had a couple of Remington 1100 youth guns, uh, which are heavy guns, mm-hmm. but uh, that made them... Very, very soft recoiling. Yeah. And because we did, you know, we saved bird hunting for last, upland hunting, uh, you know, we just started with ducks and turkeys and things like that where um, and I could carry the gun for them, turkey hunting and duck hunting, you don't have to carry the gun. So uh, you know, weight was not as much of a problem as it is if you're trying to carry the gun at ready the way you do when you're bird hunting. So I went with that and they, they worked out really well for both of my boys. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. you mentioned something like the length of the barrel you had a recommendation to go ahead and buy that 26 inch or 28 inch barrel and then you know you cut your you cut your length down on the stock and not not the barrel yeah actually even um and it's it is surprising even again i'm I'm used to older i I didn't start my kids at at seven eight years old like a lot Mm -hmm. of people do they were they were 11 and 12 uh older son was 12 younger son was a little more athletic quite a bit more athletic uh he started when he's 11 because he was stronger but it is not long before they can shoot a 12 gauge and and again we you know we have this idea that 12 gauges kick more than 20 gauges but it's way more dependent on the ammunition you choose than the uh and the gauge of the gun so i i, I like that a gun like the browning maxis 2 which has got a stock that's designed to be cut off and lengthened easily mm-hmm. I'd be tempted to to wait a few years and start a kid with a gun like that. Yeah, no. And then they then they'd have a gun for the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Because the other thing, another another thing about kids, you have to be really careful with first guns because once you give them their first gun, they don't want to give it up. You can offer them all kinds of other better guns, and they don't want to give up their first gun. So you got to get it right. Yeah. And it has to be something that they can that can grow with them, or you're gonna have a hard time prying it out of their hands. Even hey, long past, when it's long past appropriate for them. And I've talked with you on here where I still shoot my 20 gauge youth model right. trophy 500. I still shoot with that. Exactly. Um, so that's um, probably a bad habit of mine. Yeah. Not if it works for you, but it is, you know, it's not, it's not going to work for everybody. And, um, yeah, I, so those are, uh, it's just something else to think about. It's, 
You want to get that a gun that they can grow with, ideally. And that's where you know the the stock length you can always add length to a stock, but add it, you know, buy unless you want to buy a new barrel, it's better off to start with a start with and I again I've seen kids uh kids who show up their first day at, at trap practice as seventh graders with their youth guns and you know, a few weeks into the season they're borrowing my nine pound, thirty four inch barrel trap gun <laughs> and doing yeah. great with it. So it's uh they they grow. You gotta it, it's they grow fast at that age. Yeah, I had someone ask me in here in the office. Um, a lady had asked me that she was she wanted to buy a gun for her son who was like 16, 17 years old, and she, but she wanted to go with a twenty gauge. And she's like, but you know, he's kind of skinny, and you know, I'd, I'd want it to be a pretty light recoil. And I'm like running through, and I was thinking that um, that Beretta A four hundred light. I shot one of those a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was about the lightest shooting 20 gauge that I've ever shot. Yeah. And and what was funny about that gun, though, is it is super light. Like, usually the mm-hmm. weight offsets that. But the way that that gun works, it just, man, it just completely does away with recoil. Yeah, it does. The, those, those, that recoil reduction system they have mm-hmm. is very effective. And the other thing about, and this is like, I, I know that this is totally contrary to what's popular now, but... Heavy guns are easier to shoot than light guns. Yep. Uh, period. And, and I know that light guns is what everybody, that's what everybody wants now. And I can complain about it all I want, but I'm not going to change anybody's mind. <laughs> but a gun that's got some heft to it is just easier to shoot. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, you know, the 20 gauges and, and the ammunition that we have now, and if you, if you take, we've talked about this on, on the show, you know, you take good shots, 20 gauges is a fine Fine waterfowl gun now, but in terms of actually being a gun to hit targets with, or especially when they get out a little bit, the 12 gauge is just easier gun to shoot. Unless you are so small or you know really have to have the lighter weight gun, mm-hmm. um, yeah, something a little bulkier is just easier to shoot. Yeah, and I, you made a good point with the heavier weight. You know, it's almost it's kind of counterproductive in the marketing world right now, and that. Right. Everyone's going to these super lightweight guns, and uh, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm the same way as you. You know, I've shot the 1187 Super Magnum for years. You know, Versa Max, mm-hmm. Maxis Two, even the A400 Extreme, the Berettas, which yep. you know the Extrema was really light, but that A400 yep. Extreme, it's a pretty heavy gun, and I like it's it. A heavy, it's a heavier gun. It's a bulkier gun too, mm-hmm. and and that some people have a hard time with that, but it's also hard to over control a gun that you can't. Squeezing the death grip. Yeah. So yeah. a bulky gun. I we actually we did uh, last September. <clears throat> Field stream colleagues and I took a bunch of guns down to Texas for a teal hunt and shot them all at teal at targets for three days. And the gun we all liked best with and all shot best was that A four hundred. I could see why. I mean, it it's it, just the balance, being able to balance that thing and and mm-hmm. even follow up shots with that heavier weight just seems to make it a little bit easier. Yeah. Before we get too far off the on our on our gun talk there, because we could probably do that forever. Um, you know, the last thing you had on this list was the first hunt. So you're going from, you know, the the timeline of figuring out eye dominance, practicing with the BB gun, you right. know, getting fitted, getting comfortable with the actual gun itself. All of this, right. you know, it is a process, and it's a and this is a, that's why I really chose this article because it is 
a really good process for people to follow along with. But then the last comment you have, or the last section of this piece, was the first hunts. And now it gets to be, you know, the hunting side. Like, like I mentioned, you know, a lot of people are going to be dragging little Bobby out to the dove field and he's going to be hammering away with a 20 gauge for the first time ever. Right. And I think, you know, there, you, you run into a lot of issues where you could potentially ruin that kid from wanting to shoot or wanting to be involved if it's, if he's not comfortable and it's not a good experience. So after we've right. followed your list, now we get into the first hunts. Well, we, we, we skipped over. And we can do this anyway. We skipped over first shots, which we didn't really talk about yet, and and actually the the teaching part of that. But um, with my kids, I bought a trap, and we threw going away targets, and and that was okay. But if you can set up an incoming target or a quartering in target where they have more time to get ready for it as it comes to them, uh, and they have to move the gun rather than get in the habit of holding it still and aiming it, mm-hmm. uh, that's really the best way to start. And uh, so I've done this at, as I said, with clinics with kids who haven't shot before, before their first hunt the next day. And we'll work on that, uh, moving the gun. And then as soon as I can, get them to start shooting gun down because uh, they have to learn how to get the gun up and, and shoot it in a timely manner. So we don't, we don't work on a really, you know, a perfect gun mount, but we work on a field expedient gun mount that will get the gun moving out away toward the target so that it doesn't snag on their clothes and up to their face. Although usually you know, they'll bring it up their shoulder first and put their head down, which I'll allow that for the first, you know, <laughs> I've got one, one hour to work with them, but you want to work on a, a gun mount where they're able to get the gun up because it's, you know, it takes that it takes a new shooter time to get the gun mount and they mount it and they miss opportunities. So that those are, if you're going to do it all in like one or two lessons, that's what I try to do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, obviously, the more shooting you can do, the better. But to get on to that first hunt, yes, uh, you're right. Um, you can leave your own gun at home. I, I was lucky that we have, depends on you know, different states do it different ways. Our youth season was before the regular season. Uh, so the weather was mild and adults weren't allowed to carry guns. And so all the attention was on the kids. Mm-hmm. And I... You know, we had one adult for every kid, and we'd have the shells in our pockets. And for the first two years, I think I made them shoot one shell at a time, um, and uh, and really learn to, rather than just blazing away, really learn to focus and try to make that one shot count. Yeah, did you hunt them with a larger group? You mentioned there were some other people, or were you? Kind I of- did, um, and that can be good or or bad. You know, mm-hmm. and it was actually really bad for my older son, who I took him with two or three other kids and they all killed ducks and he didn't. Uh, and he was really, and he, he struggled that day. Yeah. And he was, he was pretty unhappy about it when it was over. And that, you know, that was a mistake that I made. Uh, we wound up, I took him by himself the next day and he shot a duck and it was all better. But, um, you know, it, that depends on the, on the kid. Yeah. I think a lot of this too, you know, we've talked about this on different, even just youth hunts in general, every situational based on the kid, you know, whether or not, mm-hmm. whether age or mentality or strength or, you know, something like that, introducing, you know, kids is yeah. so situational. So I think everyone should probably take all of these lessons with like a little grain oh, yeah. of salt, you know, it's like, Absol- don't- absolutely. Um, could not agree more, but so that was usually, you know, and if it's all, if they're all friends, it can be fun. You know, there's another my younger son, we we had the 
we did one youth hunt where they all came and stayed overnight at my house first. So we didn't have to sleep in a little extra in the morning. And, uh, and that was, that part was fun. And then we went out and hunted the next day. We got up and had breakfast and fed them all a lot and then took them out hunting and they loved that. So it, it just, it does. It depends on the, on the kid. Yeah. And so, you know, with that first hunt, you know, like you mentioned, you're not bringing a gun at all. So you can sit there and help them even mount the gun if you have to. I think that's yeah. one thing. Yeah. To definitely, you know, be more of a hands-on instructor. So you're standing there as an instructor, not just another hunter in the blind. I think that's important. Yeah. I would not, I would not help them mount the gun. What I would do is take the gun from them so they could rest their arms. Hmm, yeah. uh, Cause again, we don't, we don't think about that, but it gets, especially shooting targets. I do that a lot, uh, not just with kids, but with, with new shooters, any new shooter, if they're getting, getting tired. Um, but, uh, yeah, you take the gun from them, let them, let them have a chance to shake their arms out and, uh, and rest a little bit and then give it back to them. And you want to, you want to be right there the closer you are to them, the safer it is. Cause that way they can't turn around and shoot you. Yeah. Uh, and you can grab, you can grab the gun if you have to. And are you going through like the safety aspect of all of this? This start, that starts with that Red Rider BB gun, right? I mean, oh, yeah. your goat barrel control, you know, things like that, that, uh, you know, I think that's just one thing to reiterate that this process starts, but that safety is a part of every single step along this way. Yeah. yeah that, that Red Rider is a real gun. There's no, mm-hmm. uh, you don't treat that any differently than than any other, except you can shoot it in your backyard. Um, but uh, absolutely, and 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 we would we would drill that, and if they behave unsafely, I'd take the, they they knew I could take their guns away mm-hmm. if they if they weren't behaving safely, and and by and large, um, you know they did great. In fact, I was thinking about this. The I just worked with a help a scout troop came out and did an overnight at our club and uh and we had a the other the other instructor was a really scary range officer who gave the kids a real stern speech about how many push-ups they're gonna have to do if they weren't safe and all this and that and the other and the kids were great the one you know the only person who behaved unsafely was the adult who picked up the gun and pointed over my head Ooh. uh the kids were all, were all terrific and that's that's what i have found both in hunting with kids and in uh coaching trap shooting clay target shooting for so long is they tend to be really good uh where it gets and um that i the one shell in the gun helps a lot for safety because you know you shoot say you shoot you shoot your first duck and all of a sudden you're all excited and you're forgetting that you've got a loaded gun in your hand if it's a semi-auto so i don't that's that's one reason i have the one shell in the gun uh, and the other is if they have a problem with their gun, I, I've seen a lot of people turn around with a gun and say, my gun doesn't work. Yeah. And, and that's where you want to be close. So you can take that gun from them before they get a chance to turn around and point at anybody. So is there anything else that you can think of that's not on this list that you, you think maybe, you uh, would well, we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, when I was teaching them to shoot, it, new shooters can focus for about, maybe two boxes of shells tops. Uh, and it just like, you know, just like you have to get physically stronger, you have to get mentally stronger. And uh, so we tried to do, before the summer, I took my first, my older son and his friend hunting. We went, we must've shot every weekend, but we'd never shoot more than 30 or 40 shells. Yeah. You know, and that's a lot better 
than going once and shooting a ton. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that that you know the the, the mental fatigue is uh, is part of it too. Um, yeah, it's uh, we we made we did youth pheasants, youth turkeys, youth ducks. I I, I hunted all those seasons, and boy, when when my kids were that age, and actually my boys are almost five years apart, so I was doing it for quite a long time. Uh, those are some of my favorite hunts of the year. Oh, I bet. It was really, really enjoyable. It was enjoyable to hunt the public area and know that it wasn't going to be overrun with, with other hunters on Saturday morning. Uh, you know, and, uh, and a great thing Iowa does, this is with our pheasant season. Now the duck limits are all federal, but our our youth pheasant limit is one bird, which, and this, this, uh, this is relevant to duck hunting too. It was... It meant that if you went out and you shot one, it was you had your limit, and the whole hunt was a success. And we could get that done in an hour, yeah. and be home and have fulfilled, you know, have have filled our tag, and it made it just so much more fun than if you go out and shoot one. So well, now we have to try to get two more. Yeah, you know, this it was great, uh, and and you can do the same thing. You know, you can set your own duck limit if you want, uh, but. That uh, I always, always thought whoever came up with that regulation was a genius. Um, it, it made that made that hunt a lot of fun when otherwise it could have been a, a long slog with kids. And you know, if they'll get they'll get tired and bored, uh, and you got to go in. Yeah, and you you don't want to discourage them from liking the experience. That's for sure. No, you don't. I will tell you another thing. The, the opposite of that, though, is that. You get past those youth hunts into the regular season. You're like, oh, do you want to go hunting? And they'll be like, oh, no, we'll go some other time. And they don't understand there is no, you know, there, there's not a lot of other times. Mm-hmm. So, and they also don't understand that there's some days when it's going to be good and you kind of know it. <clears throat> and those days I'd make them go, whether they wanted to or yeah. not. And, uh, and, that, <clears throat> and that we were usually happy we did. Um, one other thing I did. And I'm not sure I should. This works for everybody. It worked for me. I took my kids out when it was like the day before Thanksgiving, and my older son by this time was like, you know, 15. And my younger son was nine, ten, and uh, it was not the right. It was not a good day to be. It was cold. Their ducks weren't flying. <clears throat> they were having a pretty bad time. We tried. We moved once. That was hard. They didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, I was trying to think what I can do to save this hunt. I told my younger son, I said, you see that decoy right there? I want you to shoot it. And he looked at me like, really? And I said, yes, just shoot it. And he pounded it, just drowning, water swatted, ventilated, ruined it, sank it. And uh, thought that was like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And then my older son said, dad, can I shoot one too? <laughs> you can run out of decoys, you, keep letting them shoot. Yeah, it's all right. You know, it's their decoys. Um, yeah. And that totally saved that day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little thing kind of a dumb thing but uh you know they were they were they they both remember that still today and uh, and because the duck hunting was terrible yeah that's awesome salvage the hunt but sacrifice the decoy exactly no that's great well phil this has been a great conversation and i know uh you know people can find this article off to a good start it's on ducks.org go to the hunting section and shotgunning tips and find all of phil's columns there as well um, but no, I think this has been very informative and, and really timely for this early season to really get people to start paying attention to how they bring youth hunters into shotgunning. 
um, these helpful tips. We'll definitely do that. So, Phil, I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for letting me give me a chance to talk about this. It's, it's one of my favorite topics. Great. Well, we'll definitely have you on again. All right. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guest, Phil Brzele, Ducks Unlimited Magazine shotgunning columnist, for sharing a little bit of information about, you know, introducing youth shotgunners. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for putting the show together and getting out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.